Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started this week with the show, folks, I want to remind you to check out Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash April's Sensations. That's right. April's Sensations. Pro wrestler, model, cosplayer, writer, April Hunter. You know, she has her own shop on Etsy. It's fantastic. And I can speak from experience. I mean, I've purchased some candles and soaps and what have you from her. Just really, really cool stuff. And with the holidays coming up for that special someone in your life, including yourself, this is a great time to pick up some of this handcrafted, amazing, made in the USA stuff. We're talking about April's Sensations. If you want to support a pro wrestler and somebody that is really cool, small business owner, you definitely want to check it out. I'm going to give you that website again, folks. That is Etsy. So that's E-T-S-Y dot com forward slash shop forward slash April's Sensations. And let me spell that out. A-P-R-I-L-S-S-C-E-N-T-S-A-T-I-O-N-S. April Sensations, baby. I'm telling you, check it out. Let them know the Duke sent you over there. Enjoy yourselves. And now, let's get on with the show. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And I'm telling you right now, folks, you've been asking for it. I mean, the last time he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, he he damn near broke the internet. So I said, you know something, I got to get my man back because he's got a lot to say. And a lot of folks have been, you know, they've just been waiting. They've been itching to hear more. From the man, the myth, the legend, welcome back, Mr. Reggie B. Fine. What's up, Reggie B.? What's going on with you, bro? Listen, man, it's it's a it's a pleasure to hear your voice again. I'm telling you, the last time you were on the show, you, you damn near caused World War III with some of these folks that you called out, brother. Wow. Well, you know, let me first say this. First of all, the pleasure is all yours. I understand <laughs> that, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. But what do you what do you think about that though, Reggie? When when you tell the truth and folk get upset with you for doing that, you know what I mean? How, how does that feel? Well, you know what the old folks used to say years and years ago, man. The truth hurts. I'm gonna tell you like that. A lie is the easiest thing in the world to forget, but you can tell the truth over and over and over again. If you can ask me some three months from now, I'm gonna tell you the same answer. All right? I lie for you, Paul. I lie to you, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. And that's another thing. I mean, it. everybody's been repeating some of the one-liners and things that you said, like, I'll, I'll, I'll lie for you before I lie to you. It's just, it's really fascinating. Where did you get that from? All these one-liners and things that you, uh, that, that just pop up. Are, are you making them up on your own? Is this something that was passed down to you? Where do you get some of these one-liners from? Well, you know, back in the pimp game, <clears throat> you know, back in the early 70s and 80s, you know, I was playing, I went to them streets. 
<clears throat> Excuse me, brother. Yeah, I just got through um, eating, man. I feel like I got a piece of bacon in my throat or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, man, it just, it just come off the dome. You know, I should be a comedian, too, man. I should tell jokes, man. I hung out with some of the best comedians, man. You know, like Mike Epps and uh, Pierre from uh, How to Be a Player, Baps. And I've been around a lot of them guys, man. A whole lot of them. Cedric, Steve Harvin. Yeah, just hanging around, you know, picking up one line. I should sell jokes, too, man. So, so what was that like? I didn't, I didn't realize you had a uh, a stand up career. What was it like hanging out with these comedians, man? And how do they compare to folk in the wrestling game? Same old bullshit. Everybody got their own line, they they own stuck up in the air type shit, you know. Cause like I said, I did security work for years, man. One of these days we get together, come on live. I'm gonna show you my portfolio, man. I got pictures with everybody you can name from. From Huck Hogan to Leon from the Temptation Five Heartbeat, uh, man, you 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 name it, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. I got pictures with everybody, dog. I bullshit you not, man. Only difference between me and them, they got money. That's all. They got money. They got plenty of money. When they when they stomach hurt, they got to go shit just like we do. So, <laughs> they, just, you know, they just got a little more status than just like the Rock, you know. The Rock and Huck Hogan, when I hang out with them, they say, I'll be right back, man. I got to go take a piss. Oh, okay, that nigga human. So he just like us. But he just got money. That's all. That's the only difference. That's the truth. That's the truth. And, you know, speaking of The Rock, I know that um, we briefly touched upon the fact that when you were in Memphis, he came through as well. Uh, Flex Cavana, I think, is what they were calling him and what have you. Mm-hmm. Did you know at that point that this young man was going to become one of the biggest stars not only just in wrestling, but literally one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. I mean, he's he's a natural performer, huh? I knew about the wrestling game, but I didn't know nothing about he gonna be in the Hollywood game. Cause uh, you know, he didn't when we were, when he was down there with us. Me, me and Brickhouse Brown was married to him and Flex Cavana. You know what that means, wrestling turn. I mean, we wrestled each other around the loop for at least a month or two, something like that. Every night we together every night they put us over we put them over rock them put up you know just we just went around for over a month him and bart sawyer and me and brickhouse brown like i said he had potentials but see bill on d was the booker back then and bill on d always wanted him to take the heat i, I remember that like it was yesterday and the fuck we gonna beat up on on the rock let him get beat up on and here go a, a guy flex i mean uh bart sawyer weighed about 180 or 92 300 uh, you know a little bit of dude what i'm trying to say and uh, he wanted us to put the heat on the rock every fucking night. And I don't know who straightened him up with that, man. How the fuck are we going to beat the fuck out of a big man? Did that little bit of guy come in and, and and you know, make me and Brick have bump like a mo. Because I'm 280, 275, 280. Then, you know, I was big and rock in, in uh, Brick House, everybody then. I wasn't finna take no heat. You know, Brick took all the heat. But I knew for a fact that boy going to have some potential because he had, he had some agility that was crazy. You know, you don't see no 250-pound man doing kip-ups and, and, and you know, deep, deep, deep arm drag like he was doing. That's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, you know, his father was a guy who, even though he was a big dude, he, he had a lot of agility and, and, and good footwork and handwork and what have you, too, from being a boxer. So, yeah, that, that was definitely passed down. That's in the genes, brother. Yes, sir. You know, Alpha don't fall far from the tree, pimp. That's the truth. That's the truth. Now, listen, you were in Memphis, man. And, and and when we talk about Memphis, we talk about USWA, whatever you want to call it, what have you. I meant to ask you about this that I, I forgot about last time. Who were some of the bookers that you dealt with 
um, in the beginning? Because I know we had you, you, you talked about superstar Bill Dundee, but I know guys like Eric Embry were around as well. Name some of the bookers that you that you encountered uh, back in those days, man. Well, the first one off the top was uh, Jared Jarrett, and uh, he had uh, he had a couple of assistants. You know, Lawler was right there beside him too. Lawler did a lot of that man so fucking smart. Dude. You know, he a he a he a, he a fucking prick sometimes, but he a smart cookie. You know what I'm saying? He came up with a lot of gimmicks down there. You can I can name about ten gimmicks he done put on people, and three or four of them that went worldwide. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know he done went worldwide, especially Kamala. A lot of people. I don't mean to get off the set, but a lot of people don't know Kamala had the, the world's second or third best gimmick ever. Fucking ever. He didn't get no credit for it. No, Lola put it on, true enough. But for him working it, you had number one, of course, was Huck Hogan. Then you had The Undertaker. Ain't nobody can even touch that third slot but Kamala. That man sold more gimmicks and more ticking and, and more asses in the seats than anybody other than them two guys right there. But Lola put that gimmick on. But Lawler was a smart promoter. Lawler didn't do a whole lot of dirty work. You know, when you're a promoter, you keep yourself on top. Like I heard through the grapevine, like Dusty Rose used to do back in the day and such and such and such. But, you know, when they're a booker, a promoter, they can do what the fuck they want to do. But go back to what you were saying. Jerry Jerry was Eddie Marlin. Then later on was uh, Bill Dundee. Then I think it was Dutch Mantell for a little while. Uh, then later, Eric Emery came in and took the books over. And then it go back to Lowland. Then it so, go back to so, so hold on a second there, Reggie B. If, if, we, if we take Lowland out of the equation, because he's the owner, let's take right. him out of the equation. Who would you say was the best booker out of that group that uh, you worked under throughout those years, man? Okay, I'm back. Now I want them motherfuckers. I'm back. <laughs> Shit. Well, none of them motherfuckers, all of them had favoritism. Even <clears throat> the late, great hostel Eddie Gilbert was booking for a while. I remember him booking for a while. But out of all them guys, man, I would say if I had to make a choice, man, if I had to make a choice, I would say Jerry Jarrett, probably. Wow, now that's a big surprise because, you know, Jerry Jarrett, he gets a lot of heat. Uh, for being so, you know, the way that he talks and and the way he carries on, what have you. But you, you say he was a good booker, though, huh? Yeah, he was. He was pretty. He was pretty far. He'll he'll put he'll put you in the slots that you're supposed to be in. You know, maybe not that. Put you on a slot that you earn. Everybody but Jeff Jerry. You know, Jeff Jerry, 155 pounds. That motherfucker in the every main event. But you see, he was a pretty boy though, and plus he was the owner, son. You know, so he put Jeff in a lot of spots. You know, he put Tommy Rich in a lot of spots. You know, guys like that, Tommy Rich and the Dirty White Boy and all them guys, they earn these spots, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, for just a, a pedestal, you know, I think Jerry Jerry was all right. Lola, was, you, like I said, you took him out of the equation, but I think Jerry, Eric Emery was more, when he came in from Dallas, he brought that rough shit with him. You know, a lot of blood, a lot of, a lot of gigging and all that shit with him. But he was good. He was a good booker, too. Well, it's interesting they had the same rotating cast of, of characters for a good 30, 40 years. The same guys booking down that, that territory. You just brought up something interesting, though. You brought up uh, the use of blood and, and the bookers booking folks gigging themselves, bleeding. What's your, what's your general uh, 
thoughts on that? Because I know that when you were, were first starting, that's when the AIDS thing was going on and, you know, hepatitis ended up becoming a big problem in wrestling and things of that nature there. What's your general uh, feelings on blood and wrestling? Do we still need it or is it something that needs to just go away? This date, point in time, that shit need to go away, man. All these motherfuckers around here sick from the early 70s and 80s and 90s, sick as a motherfucker. Now, you don't know who got what, when, and where. I bet you got so many people walking around here with hepatitis and herpes and, and AIDS. Well, you know, the AIDS going to come out on their ass sooner or later. But like I said, I didn't believe in that shit, though. If I got busted over, it was the hard way. You know, I tell motherfuckers, I mean, I'm a diabetic. I was a diabetic when I was wrestling. I ain't no motherfucker finna. Cut me if I get some, it's gonna be the hard way, bro. Now I had a head busted, eye busted, nose busted, shit like that. But boy, just getting in myself, like some of these motherfuckers did right now. Hell, man, fuck you. I don't want to be around this shit. And I would tell them, I would tell mother, I would tell Lola, I would tell who has had that shit bad. Somebody had that shit bad. Eric Emery now, they had that shit bad. First blood, man. First this, first that. Man, rock and roll is spread. The motherfucker was quick to get. I said, man, fuck y'all. Don't stick me, motherfucker. I, I take three shots a day. I've been a diabetic for 35 years. And I know y'all that old bleeding and shit. I said, I don't need to take my sugar here. I'm like, fuck y'all. You know, I ain't with that shit, though. That is wild, Reggie B. So you were a diabetic despite the fact that you were, you were in tremendous shape, all muscled up and what have you. You, you were wrestling. So... But you, you had this condition that you had to deal with, too. How did you deal with that in the ring? Did, did you ever have any episodes where the diabetes started giving you a hard time as you were working? No, man. Thank the Lord, man. I always check my sugar before I went in the ring. Every night, every time I went in the ring. And my sugar beat around too. I got bad. My sugar has been bad all my life. My A1C level beat 7, 8. I mean, not no 7. I take that lot back. 8, 9, and 10 and shit. That's high. I always check my sugar. My sugar level was like 175 to 300. Man, I was good till I came out that ring. At them 15, 20 minutes, I go take a shot. I never took no pills. I'm a shot from day one, dog. And I was 27, 28 years old when I uh, discovered that I had diabetes. But this diabetes controllable now. Don't get me wrong, it's controllable if you do right. So I had to stop getting high, I had to stop drinking, I had to stop smoking, I had to stop doing every motherfucking thing. Or well, I was going to kill my monkey ass. I know this. And the food was run your sugar level up. Man, every time my elbow bend, my mouth flow open. I be hungry the motherfucker every day. Every day I mean, I allowed to eat five pounds of food, you ask me. I ain't bullshitting, I eat all the time. But that sugar diabetes is no, I wouldn't wish that shit on my, I wouldn't wish that shit on my worst enemy. My worst you, enemy, man. You know, it's so interesting that you say that, Reggie B. And, and, and first of all, folks, I didn't know that Reggie B. Fine um, had diabetes not only today, but literally wrestled his, throughout his career with it. So this is this is definitely uh, exclusive here. But um, last week I just had somebody on, and, and he literally had to have his leg amputated because of the diabetes. So it's it's very interesting to hear you speak about this and the fact that you – from an early age, you were able to, to get ahead of it and control it and what have you there. And, and again, you wrestled <laughs> with this condition. That, that's crazy to me, man. Yes, sir. And a lot of people, like I said, I, I didn't tell them, you know, people like Lola and maybe, you know, uh, I know Brickhouse knew Lola, Iceman, people like that, you know, because I travel around with a little bag. But it's controllable, man. Like I said, if you ain't eating wild all the time, it's, I see my bigger problem was drinking and partying, you know. 
I done had an episode one time about mm, 2001, I think, or something like that. I had a diabetic seizure where I was up all fucking night drinking and, and, and smoking and doing whatever we did, eating all chicken wings and all that crazy shit. Then forgot to take my medicine. And that day I had a diabetic seizure. They say I was out for like eight or ten minutes or something. And which shit, I didn't remember shit. I woke up like, what the fuck is I at? Motherfucker asked me who the president was. I don't know. The president, shit, if I had my right mind, I still don't remember who the president was. I didn't give a fuck about that shit back then. But that diabetes is no joke, man. And I did it, man. Thank you, Lord. I did never did have no real, real bad episode of it. Not, not nothing in the ring. Yeah, that's right. Knock on that wood, Reggie B. Knock on that that's wood. Right. And, and to Mr. Ken Johnson out there, uh, you know, we're still pulling for it. Like we said, Ken Johnson, about two weeks ago, he had to have one of his legs amputated because of that diabetes. So that's that's something else, man. That's something else. See, that's what happened to Mr. James. See, Kamala, he had real bad diabetes. Man. I used to hang around him all the time, man. Not not all the time, but I knew him real good. I used to call him. We used to talk. And I used to see him in different places, you know, around Memphis, you know, without just gimmick on, didn't nobody know him without, you know, with, when he had the painting shit on, didn't nobody know him. But when he was out in the streets, you know, I run across him. And I knew him, you know, because we done hung out. He done did a, I done did a lot of independent shows with him. But you know what, though? It ain't too many people can tell you that I was one of the guys that he put over. It ain't too many people going to tell you that. Kamala, Mr. James Harold put me over. We was in uh, Freeport, Louisiana. I'll never forget. He said, man, we, we worked with Ernie Ladd's son. I mean, uh, was it grandson somebody? James Laird or somebody. But anyway, it was a nice little crowd, nice little cart, you know, big cart. He said, well... I got my money. I know they ain't taking care of you like they taking care of me. I tell you what, let's go in here tonight. We're going to go in there, boom, boom, boom. We're going to stand up about two minutes. You put my little shit over from the top, and at the end, I'm going to do a big splash in the corner. You move. You just roll me up. I take a bump back. You roll me up. One, two, three. Let's get the hell out of here. I said, well, yes, sir. Whatever you want. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck about putting nobody, I guess. You know, I know I'm not a low-budget-ass nigga. He didn't know who I was. He knew me. Don't get me wrong. He knew me, but he just wanted to do this. I just want to put you over. And that's the honest truth. Uh, boy, shit, you not. And ain't too many people you can say, just like he slammed Andre the Giant. If it wasn't on tape, you wouldn't, nobody would have never believed it. That's the you truth. Ka that? Kamala slammed Andre. Not only did he slam Andre the Giant, he slammed him with ease. Yeah, yeah he okay. got up for him. Yeah, yeah, he got up for him. Yeah, But like yeah. I said, though, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I ain't gonna lie. Everything I tell you, nine out of ten in a hole in a donut, you can take it to the bank. I know what? nine out of ten in a hole in most donuts. So please believe me, man. I ain't gonna shit on nobody. It don't deserve to be shitted on. There's a How couple often was that? that need to be shitted on, and and don't even use no toilet paper when you get through with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how often was that, Reggie B? I mean, how often did you know the the promotion want one finish, but you know, folk went and did something else instead, especially, you know, to get even, so to speak. You Like like he, Kamala said to you, you weren't being treated right. Obviously, you weren't getting paid right. Right. So, to, you know, he put you over as a way to, to just show some respect there. How often does stuff like that happen? Not too often, man, because you got these egos, man. Wrestling is a fucking work, man. I don't know why, even right to the day, it's so much, it's so much acrobatic shit. And don't get me wrong, you still got to be in shape. 
you still screwed. You still got to have talent. You just can't, anybody just can't walk off the street and say, man, I'm going to go wrestle. No, it ain't, it ain't that easy, though. It is not that fucking easy. You got to have talent, man. But a lot of this shit, back when I was coming up 35, 30, 35 years ago, man, you get busted, you get busted the hard way, 8 out of 10. Motherfucker, don't give a damn about leaving your ass laying in the middle. Yeah, rugged people. I'm talking about motherfucker would try to break your fucking back. I'm fucking moon dogs. I don't know if you ever heard of the moon dogs out of Memphis, Tennessee. Them motherfuckers would hit you with a, a car if they can pick that son bitch up. They didn't <laughs> give a fuck about laying shit in. But Lola would tell you all the time, hey, man, y'all need to lay this shit in on TV. You know, when you're in the house show, it'd be a different ball game. You bullshit all you want to. But lay this shit in. Them guys back then, Man, them motherfucking didn't play. You had motherfuckers like a dirty white boy. If they, if they give you a finish, and you fuck up the finish. I fucked up a finish. I'm going to tell you this story right quick. I fucked up a finish one time when I was a candy man. You know, I probably hired a motherfucker shit. I don't remember, but I remember fucking up this finish with Bill Dundee. It was me, him, and the junkyard dog and some other mark. And uh, I go in there, they just trying to get a candy man a little push. I go in there and do my thing, boom, 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 and Gonna go in there and beat the fuck out of Bill Dundee for about two, three minutes. And the only thing I had to do was just get him one spot and uh and tag out. Shit, man. <clears throat> I fucked around, forgot the spot. A Bill Dundee spot. I was I had tagged and climbing out the ropes. Next thing I know, man, he got my fist right in the side of my fucking head. Man, that motherfucker hit me in the ear so hard I started go get my pistol. I said, motherfucker, you hit me that motherfucker hard. You forgot my fucking finish. I mean, you forgot my fucking spot. I said, oh, man, my bad, dog. Man, see, I didn't even tag back in on me. My, I thought I was a doorbell. My motherfucking head was ringing so bad. I told that little cock. He was bad about that. You know, he was bad about hitting motherfuckers, sucker punching motherfuckers, and taking off running and laughing and giggling and shit. But it's very seldom that, you know, people didn't want to do the finish. I don't have that problem with Ken Wayne. I don't know if you remember Ken Wayne, the nightmare. Oh, yeah. Sure do. Yeah, him and Danny Davis. He didn't want to put me over one night. And I said, and now Lawler, Lawler said, he told Lawler told me, well, blah, blah, blah. He put Reggie over the night. And, and Ken was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm not going to put him over. And Lawler said, what? He said, I'm not going to put him over. Last week, he got a guy little than I am, Tony Williams, beating him. You know, I'm just getting in the game, pressing the game. So I ain't arguing with nobody. I don't know nothing, you know. I ain't. Tripping. And Lawler said, look here, man, I'm the booker. If you can't do what I asked you to do, get your shit and get the fuck out of here. And they had security walking through the back door. And I said, wow. Wow. All, all because it's a fucking work. You don't want to put nobody over. But you know what goes around comes around. So I heard he was in jail now. I, I don't know for a fact, but everybody ain't lying. I heard he was in jail for child pornography or some shit. So... I don't know. It, I haven't heard from a scene. I really don't give a fuck. I never did care too much for that cocksucker. Know it? You know what I'm saying? Well, and so, and and he was part of the Nightmares tag team, right? So not only was he with Nightmare Danny Davis, but they were called the Nightmares. Isn't that right? As a team? Yes, sir. I'm working yeah. motherfuckers. The one no yeah. big man. Look, right. look, 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 guy, Rock and Roll Express, and them. You used to have some matches, man. You'd be sitting back in your chair like, what the fuck? You know it's a fucking work. But these motherfuckers doing shit that you wouldn't even think that a human can do back then. Mm. Especially if you know the rock and roll. But the Nightmare was a hell of a team too, man. But like I said, I just didn't care for a lot of shit. 
But Danny Davis, I mean, not Danny Davis. Danny, I love him. He was a cool motherfucker. He always try to tell you what you're doing wrong and, you know, try to help you out and shit. But that Ken Wayne, a beer drinking motherfucker. That's something that made me down there bust my kidneys one time. But we, I was drinking back then, man. We going up the highway, going from Memphis to Nashville. Motherfucker, I had to piss by the time we got to Jackson. That motherfucker wouldn't stop. Man, I was, I was tramping and when I find, when you find the stuff, I can even hardly straighten my body up, man. That's how long I've been holding my piss. Jesus. I ain't gonna piss at nobody. I ain't no punk. I ain't pulling my dick out and trying to piss in the main back seat, man. Piss in the cup. Oh, no. I ain't gonna be doing all that, pimp. And if I know what I know now, I pissed my pants and he had some cloth seat. He had a Lincoln. I remember it was a green Lincoln Continental or something. I should have pissed my pants and fucked his seat. So that's what I should have did. But you know, I'm green. I'm by myself. I'm only a uh, brother in the car, so I ain't want to, you know, start nothing. And I got to fight three or four motherfuckers. So I, I just said, fuck it. But I ain't never cared about that motherfucker. I seen that son bitch one time on the expressway. There's no bullshit. He had a flat. And I was going down one side of the highway. I just happened to look over and see him standing out there. You know, he had that long blonde hair blowing in the wind. So I turned around, went back up about a mile up, and went and turned around, pulled up beside him. I said, yo, what's up, dog? He said, what's up, Reggie B? Fuck, I got a flat, man. Got no spare. I started to take that pistol. I'm, I'm good to have my pistols on me. I keep a gun on me all the time. I started to take that nine millimeter and shoot the other three tires out. So I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help him get a tire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I didn't really care too much for that motherfucker. I'm not even But Reggie, let me ask you this, man, because you, you're bringing up some stuff, and we know that you know when it comes to to the wrestling business, any industry, not not just wrestling, any industry, racism is is something that's prevalent. It's real. It's in your face. Sometimes it's hidden, but it's still there. You can feel it, especially when you're experiencing it. You've always been credited for being authentic, being yourself, and to the credit of, of folks like Lawler, he didn't really get in the way of you being who Reggie B is, right? What you see is what you get. What you hear is what you're going to hear. What you heard 20 years ago is what you hear today. You're the same guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you nah, ever, did you ever experience a time when someone was trying to tell you how to be black and, and directing you to do something other than be who you are? Well, you know, we have, Back in the days, man, uh, I'm kind of like my boy Mustafa. I talked to Mustafa yesterday for about two hours. You know, he used to be New Jack partner. I talked to him a couple hours yesterday, and he was telling me about, you know, it shit been going on forever. He's, I'm from the South, man. I don't know what they do up in Boston and, and Washington. And, you know, I know there's niggas everywhere. I know there's crackers everywhere. I know redneck. Everywhere you got motherfuckers that still on this old bullshit-ass Uncle Tom picnic mark and shit, you know. But one thing about it, though, man, back in the day when I was growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee was wild as fuck, man. Motherfucker getting killed every day. You know, you can go on every corner. It's a liquor store. You can go get you some weed. or You know, one no crack. Crack was back then, but it wasn't heavy, you know, like it is now. But, man, how you going to try to tell a man that I was raised in the street? Now, Lola did used to try to tell hey, man, I need you to act like you you know, you real thug, street black. And I said, man, dude, look at my skin. Look at your skin. Motherfucker, you can't go to Orange Mound or Bayhampton. Numbers from hoods in Memphis, you know, North Memphis, South Memphis. You can't walk around that motherfucker. You can't. But I can. But he said, act like you real street hood black. 
but not real, you know, like, not like New Jack. You know, New Jack can go out there and tell motherfuckers what, <clears throat> excuse me, how it is and what it was back then. He jumped on the scene and went like 135 miles out, but he was mean and shit that he was seeing. You know, I'm around here proacting, you know, really, because you got to be real careful on that live TV. We did live TV down there. You know, you don't want to get nobody kicked off the TV. So you got to kind of like be, you know, a little black, but not all the way hood black. But Laura used to try to, you know, and then, you know, put that shit in the nigga head back then. And a lot of times I, I refused to do things that uh, he wanted me to do. Because we had a script, you know, you got to, here you go, here you go, Reggie, it's your live, blah, blah, blah. Only thing you had to do was remember the front and the back. All that shit in the middle is just extra gravy. You know what I'm saying? So if you can remember your, your script, you didn't have too much problem down there with them. They can't let you do You can only do so much anyway. You know, they weren't going to let you. I'm about, well, I'm going downtown and go ahead with these prostitutes and get me some dope and these niggas this. And no, they weren't going to let you do all that. No way. That's common sense. But you did have a motherfucker try to, you know, tell you what to do and what you tell you what to not to do and, and all that old shit. Well, you know, I asked you that question, Reggie, because it – you can you can tell when someone is not being authentic, right? Mm -hmm. And you can tell when something is written by somebody who is not of the culture, right? Oh, definitely. And yeah. even today, we see it in in certain instances, and it just really boggles my mind, man. Because with all of the folks speaking up and speaking out against racism, what have you? Why do we still have black wrestlers being instructed to act? a way that is not who they really are. Because there's something that we want to do, man. We want this wrestling game. So I'm looking at this new organization. Motherfucking, they put $25 million behind TNT shit. Yeah, a AEW is who you're talking about on TNT. Yes, sir. AEW. Tesla, dude, I'm put out $25 million behind this new organization. How many blacks you see? How many black wrestlers you see? Maybe about four or five. This shit is more things change more things supposed to change more they stay the same mm. maybe saying that wrong but man look at this shit it's the same fucking it's a cycle just in the washing machine just to click the button around to another cycle it's the same fucking thing niggas ain't got a chance around this motherfucker man and that's i, I hate it so bad because i'm guilty too i didn't speak on my mind a lot back then because i wanted it we wanted it so bad we wanted to be on tv but i'm talking about the blacks now we wanted to be on tv we wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. And you get a chance like, you know, one out of a billion black dudes going to be on TV thinking he's the baddest motherfucker. Most of the wrestlers walk around, man, ain't shit. It's just a fucking work. But you don't have the opportunity. The black ones don't have the opportunity to do that. What I'm trying to say, this racist prejudice shit is still existing today. I'm telling you, man, this shit has been going on for so fucking long. And I was a part of it. And I'm saying to me, man, Coco Beware. Uh, uh, Rocket Johnson, uh, you know, you got to keep your token around at all time in the wrestling game. Junkyard Dog, you know, you can probably name 20 black superstars that they don't really built up and did something with it. And it's going to be about 3,000 white boys. You know, but you don't get me wrong, some of them motherfuckers tough as a son, bitch. But the average one of them motherfuckers, if a nigga was in that spot, they can do it just as better than they can, way better than they can. But it's just this old prejudice-ass, racist-ass shit. Like I said, you got a multi-million-dollar company that just opened up. They doing good, I heard. But what they doing? Same old shit. 
They got maybe one or two niggas that they don't picked out of it, out of the pizza basket. Yeah, we're gonna make this nigga him star. We're gonna make him a star. But you got three thousand white boys, which I don't think is fair. At least they here bringing some women's in. You know, they got a few women. You know, black and white. More than New York used to bring in back in the day. Mm-hmm. But you know what? More more things change, more they stay the same, bro. More the culture change, but Yeah, you uh, called it out there, Reggie B. So this is what this is what you folks have been asking for. You've been asking for Reggie B to come back and, and lay down the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, which is all he can do. Reggie B, let everybody know, man. Because you, you, you got your uh your YouTube. I know you got some great things up there. Your shoots are up there. You're even selling some of the shoot DVDs, which is pretty cool. Let everybody know where they can check out some of your stuff, Reggie B. Well, I got a I got a website, man. It should be almost up. It should be up this weekend. This is what the girl was telling me. But I, I got shit on Facebook, YouTube. But I got to hold back on these shoot interviews for trying to put them out myself. I got Hannibal. I'm talking to Hannibal, and I'm talking to. Uh, the high spots, you know, everybody they don't reached out to me, but I don't know what they want me to do because I'm trying to set up an interview with them, I'm trying to set up a, a sit down with them. I'm not just going to send my shit to nobody. See, I already had this shit already uh, edited, already shot. If they want to do something different, it's cool, but they want to do something with what I got. I'm not just going to send my shit to nobody, man. And I just now, probably about the next week or so, I'm going to have it copyrighted. I should have been done all this shit, man. But shit, you know, all money going out ain't nothing coming in, man. You know, some of y'all that shit you got to put on the back burner. Because I ain't rich. I don't sell dope no more. Shit. I don't do shit like that no more. But I got a lot of shit out there, man. Like I said, if somebody interested, you let me know. I really appreciate you, too, because you've been helping me, you know, kind of like spread the word. Because you got a hell of a podcast out there, man. Your shit. I looked at your shit. Your shit goes, 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 and goes. You know, you got a lot of people on your shit. You got people helping you that really... You know, in your corner trying to get it out there. And anytime if nigga you can help a brother do something, man, don't hesitate. Or a white man or a black man, it don't matter. Help him. Don't be holding back because you ain't going to be in this world forever. You might well do what you can to try to help a motherfucker instead of hurting motherfuckers. And then everything would be just fine. He was our president. He done came to reality now that he, uh, he done lost. Nigga, get your funk ass on out of the White House and let that man come on in there and, and move his shit in the closet. Don't be hating. Don't be stopping nobody, bro. Tell him, Reggie B. Tell him. Tell, tell, tell the president that, uh, Reggie B., because Trump Trump acting like he don't want to leave. Tell him. It's time to go. It's time. Yeah. He know his brother. He know his rent. His lease is up. Shit, that motherfucker got to go. If he don't go, they're going to put his ass out like this nigga shit on them streets. They're going to shit all this shit out. He ain't got nothing in there. He got all this shit. He know when he leave that motherfucker, he going to jail. That's so right. That motherfucker going straight. He don't, don't pass gold. Don't do nothing. And you got a lot of motherfuckers that follow that man. I don't give a fuck what they do. No, they don't fuck with me. But they can do whatever. When they send them stimulus checks out now, don't forget, don't forget to send Reggie B one now. <laughs> but yeah, Duke, man, they can get my shoot, shoot interviews. They're online. They hear that. They hear But like I said, I got to kind of like put the brakes on it. Because I don't want to just put none out there. And then these people may want to, you know, buy them all or whatever, you know. But you know me, I'll be like Ice Cube. I'll be selling shit out the trunk. I don't give a fuck. Any chance I get to talk to uh, Reggie B. Fine, it's always a, a trip, man. You know, Reggie's one of those folks that is so knowledgeable and so honest that you know you're going to get something that's just the truth. That's just the way it is, you know. Reggie, he's colorful, and, and he knows how to how to spin a, uh, a, a phrase or what have you, but that brother is telling the truth, which is so cool and so refreshing. I hope you folks are doing well out there. 
We we are on the the road to the holidays here. We got Thanksgiving coming up next week, and then it's on to Christmas. Can you believe that? Already hearing Christmas music and seeing trees and the lights and all that good stuff there. And I know a lot of folks are talking about well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for for the holidays here? Because with this whole pandemic. People who are, are being advised not to gather in, in large crowds and things like that. Here's what I'll say to you about that. Do what you can, please, to virtually spend time with your loved ones, right? Do what you can. If, if you can Zoom or, or WhatsApp or Facebook group or whatever, do what you can to virtually spend time with your loved ones. No, we got to have our loved ones, okay? We, we, we can't give away our humanity, right? So even though we're dealing with this terrible pandemic, we cannot give away our humanity, especially during the holidays. We need that. But there's a way to do it safely. So give it a shot. Do that for you, for your boy, the Duke, please. I beg of you. <laughs> you know, Reggie was, was covering a lot of um, bases there. And, and one of the things that we touched upon, as you heard, was racism. You know, I'm always going to bring that up. I'm always going to talk about that. It's a big deal. And it's something that I will stop talking about racism when, when it goes away. And until it goes away, yes, I will talk about it because why wouldn't I, right? Something crazy happened um, last week. AEW Dynamite, there was a segment in which, you know, a new character in Jade, she came out and she was jawjacking at uh, Cody. I guess you can call him Cody Rhodes again. I guess he... he WWE allowed him to have his name back, so he's Cody Rhodes again. Um, but she was jawjacking at Cody, and which was entertaining. It was cool. You know, Jade, she's an impressive, impressive uh, looking person. And even though she's still pretty fresh in the business and she took her time when she was delivering her lines, what have you, I, I was entertained. I, I think she's interesting, intriguing. Want to see more from her. No doubt about it. She's got abs of steel, muscle on muscle, too. But it lo- all looks natural, which is pretty cool. But, um, Brandy came out because, as you know, Cody is Brandy's husband. So Brandy came out to defend her husband from this this person who was talking trash to him. Right? I don't know what the heck that was when Brandy came out, folks. And this is a discussion that's happening. And I'm bringing it up now because I'm inviting whomever. I don't care who you are. If you want to come on this show, you want to come on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast and share your take on the segment from two weeks ago on Dynamite. Brandy, Jade, Cody, I'm all for it because I want to dissect this. From my perspective, the lines that Brandy delivered, you want to call it a promo or whatever she was doing there, it felt like an older white guy wrote that stuff. She was speaking in a manner and carrying on in a manner that we've never seen from her before. Just didn't make any sense. It was it was so inauthentic. It was it was, in my opinion, it was embarrassing. It's ridiculous half of this and bitch dad and all this other stuff. And it's not the words, it's the delivery. It's the portrayal, in my opinion, of the negative stereotype of an upset black woman, an angry black woman, right? And what was even crazier is that, you know, it was some kind of weird code switching thing going on where because she was speaking to Jade, she had to, I don't know, Get ghetto fabulous on or something. It was, it was just ridiculous. It's, I, I and, and here's the thing. When it first happened, I didn't like it. I felt like it was ridiculous. But I said, you know something? Let me let me do some research here. So I went. 
and I pulled up just about every single Brandy promo that's available on YouTube, in AEW, in Ring of Honor, in Impact. I pulled up every Brandy promo I could. And then I took it a step further and I pulled up interviews, right? I had never heard Brandy talk like that. And this is not the first time where she went to defend Cody's honor, so to speak. So clearly she was putting on a a performance that was not typical of what she normally delivers. And that could be okay, right? Maybe this is a new layer of her character. I mean, everybody, people can change, people can enhance, improve, whatever. But this was just foolishness, man. It was, it was, it was tomfoolery, and it was borderline—not even borderline. It just felt like almost minstrel show level performance here, just ridiculous. And I saw that you know a lot of folk got upset with anyone who was calling Brandy out for it because yes, there is a, a segment of the population that's always giving her a hard time, uh, no matter what she does. And I'm not with that. I've, I've defended Brandy. And you can look on Twitter and you can search for Brandy's name and you can see what I've said about her through the years. But I've defended Brandy a lot because I, I feel that there is a lot of unwarranted uh, criticism of her. You know, but she's not immune from being called out when she is doing something that doesn't make any sense. So we got to make sure we understand the difference. Right. And I'm telling you, this this didn't make any sense. Like I said, minstrel show level foolishness. And I wasn't surprised by who was entertained by this stuff. Because you are talking about mostly older white men who, oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. Because they have a perception of what an upset, quote unquote, angry black woman, what she's supposed to look like and how she's supposed to talk and carry herself when she's expressing her frustrations. In this case, somebody is disrespecting her husband. So she went to quote unquote, check this person. Right. But again, Brandy goes around checking people all the time. She's done it throughout her career and we've never seen anything of the sort. Heard her talk like this, watched her act like this. You know, it's just, this is not typical of her. So something is off. And I know some of you, well, how you, you know, you can't tell a a black woman, how she's supposed to be black and you're questioning her blackness. It, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with authenticity. And it has to do with making sure that people are not turning this into some kind of, like I said, menstrual show situation here. Because here's the problem. And this is the crux of it all here, folks. AEW has gone out of their way to promote the fact that they support diversity and inclusion and they're so progressive and all this other stuff. But I'm telling you, and I'm going to keep saying this, it is not reflected in the product. And I think anyone who wants to claim that it is, they're just not telling the truth. Okay. It's not enough to call one of the executive vice president's wife, wife, uh, you know, the chief branding officer. And yes, she could be doing the work with the press releases and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. You know, congratulations, Brandy, on being an executive. I think that's fantastic. We want to see more of you, right? We want to see more people achieve this. But it's got to be deeper than that. Where are the other black executives in AEW? I think that's a fair question, right? 
we look at the singles. I, I keep bringing this up. We look at the, the 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 male singles wrestlers. How many black male singles wrestlers have even gotten an AEW title shot, right? Because for a while, they didn't even really have any other than Brandy's cousin, Scorpio Sky and Sonny Kiss, who they barely used. They didn't have any black guys under contract who were singles wrestlers. I'm not talking about the tag teams. I'm talking about the singles, right? So it was an afterthought to the point where Tony Khan and, and, and Cody had to actually, they were constantly asked about it because I kept putting the pressure on. And then other people were like, well, yeah, that's actually a good point. They were putting the pressure on. And these guys said they would do better. And, and to their credit, they have actually hired or you know, placed under contract more black male singles. But they haven't done much with those black male singles, <laughs> which further illustrates my point. Right. So so when you want to take credit for your progressiveness and, and, you know, diversity, when you're not really putting in the work, it's it's very it's half hearted. Then you can understand why I would have an issue with whatever the hell that was that Brandy was doing the other night. And I would have an issue when I see people like Jim Ross. Oh, that was great. Of course, you think it's great, Jim Ross. Of course you do. (laughs) That's typical. Of course you would. So, and you know, some people, they, they, again, they want to silence the criticism, lump it all together and say, oh, you're just mad because it's Brandy. No, I don't care who it is, man. That was foolishness. Okay. It was foolishness. I don't see Scorpio Sky carrying on like that. I don't. Big Swole, you know, she, she's, she's a a person who's good at one-liners and being whoever she is, but I'll tell you one thing about Big Swole. It's her. It's her. I can pull up interviews and promos from Big Swole from two, three years ago, and it's the same person, okay? Same person, same delivery. You know that that's who this person is. You go on her her, uh, Twitter, word choice and, and delivery, what have you, it's the same person. There's nothing inauthentic about Big Swole. That's who she is, right? I don't understand what, what that thing was that Brandy was doing there, but it was, it was like parody, right? She was pretending to be the, the negative stereotype of a black female fact. That's what it was. And that's what my issue is with it. That's not a Brandy issue. That's an issue. (laughs) Regardless of who's doing it, telling you, man, it just, we can't get to the point where we're afraid of pointing out the truth on things. You heard Reggie B telling the truth. We got to tell the truth, man. Can't be sitting here being afraid and, and, you know, I I won't sit here and entertain foolishness from anybody. So if you don't like the fact that I'm pointing out the obvious, too bad. I'm pointing it out. Because that stuff ain't right, man. And coming from where it's coming from, it really ain't right. Telling you. We got to keep an eye on this. And, and listen, we can we can dig. There are layers to this, folks. Dusty Rhodes um, has had a hand in the careers of so many people. And he's done a lot of good things, training people, what have you, men and women. Gets a lot of credit for it. But have you ever listened? I mean, like really listened with a keen ear? Especially some of the, the NXT women like Paige and, and, and even um, Naomi. Listen to, to what they say about Dusty Rhodes and the way that he trained them on how to be women in wrestling. There's a, <laughs> there is a, a line of thought that Dusty had 
and it's very old school, that you had to twist your neck up and 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 shake your head around and and my man, my man, and all this other foolishness. You, you know, that was the way to convey emotion. Be catty and all that other nonsense. And and, and this is what he taught all the women. Now, that's not all he taught them, but my point still remains. There this stuff is out there. So I wouldn't have any any surprise if his sons, Cody and Dustin, and other people that worked with Dusty who are also involved in AEW, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that old school mentality and thinking of how women should act and deliver promos and stuff, if some of that isn't still being passed down. Got to call that crap out, man. Got to call it out. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a lot of interaction about this. People are not going to be happy with me pointing this out. And that's good. To, to everybody who's upset about what I have to say, good. Come on the show. We can talk about it. And I'm not going to edit anything or anything like that. You say whatever you want. But I'm telling you right now, whatever the hell that was with Brandy, I never want to see it again because that was inauthentic and it looked like parody. Simple as that. Shout out to uh, AEW on a different level, though. I, I think that one of the best wrestling matches we saw this year, surprise, surprise, the NWA women do it again, right? Serena Deeb and, and uh, Thunder Rosa. And Serena Deeb, she has a AEW contract, if I'm not mistaken. So she technically is an AEW woman, but she's the NWA champion. She's the NWA women's champion. She beat Thunder Rosa for the belt, and they had the return match this past Wednesday on Dynamite, and it was just fantastic. It was the best match on the card. It's one of the best matches of the year. And it's funny because, you know, some of the folks who are paying attention have been bringing up the fact that every time there's an NWA women's match in AEW, it's always the best match. So at what point does AEW realize, well, damn, NWA, they, whatever they're doing, or whoever, whoever's recruiting, whoever's encouraging, whoever's matchmaking, they, they know what the hell they're doing here because these women just tear the houses down every single time. And then you look at some of the people who, who went from NWA and signed with AEW, like Ricky Starks. <laughs> look at Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, pound for pound, is the, is the best signee that AEW has had since they started. As far as somebody under contract, there is nobody that they've picked up better than Ricky Starks. He delivers the best promo. He is a solid wrestler. He doesn't insult your intelligence when you watch him do anything that he does. He's just, he's an entertaining son of a gun. Love Ricky Stark. Ricky just came from the NWA. So, you know, maybe AEW should find a different position for whomever's been doing the recruiting for that company and go figure out who NWA had been using for recruiting and just hire them. Because clearly they know what the hell they're doing a lot more than whoever AEW is using. I mean, I think that's pretty clear because the, the, the quality is just tremendous. It really is. NWA is delivering with the, with the quality of who they choose to put in certain positions. It's just a fact. And I don't necessarily think it's because the wrestlers themselves are that much more talented than who's on the AEW roster in general. I think a lot of this has to do with confidence too, right? 
They're just being managed better. They're being put in a position to succeed more. That's my opinion on that. I don't know. I think I think AEW is is so interested in getting credit for things and it seems like the to doing the actual work there's just something always missing. It's very strange. I don't know. Strange. Strange. Shout out to FTR, team formerly known as the Revival. They were officially named the number one tag team in the world by Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the PWI Tag Team 50. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, when you think about it, I mean, yeah, the Revival should get it. They were, in the past year, they've been WWE SmackDown champions. They've trended higher than everybody in AEW since they've been there, you know, online. They've, every match they've had in AEW has been solid, from their perspective at least. You know, they've, they've done a, a, the best job that that's, you could possibly do, given the quality of talent that they're up against. I've been very impressed with, with the Revival, just from a general standpoint. I like them. I think that the grass isn't so green on the other side, because they were complaining about the build to their match with the Young Bucks. Surprise, surprise. I guess that's what these guys are going to do, is complain about everything all the time. They should probably break themselves out of that habit, take some ownership, right? Because I thought it was the WWE that was wrong. Now now you're complaining about AEW in a similar way. It's like, well, maybe it's you. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but, uh, you know, congratulations to those guys because I think that they're a hell of a tag team. They're probably the best tag team we've seen since the 80s. I would say the Revival and the Usos and then the New Day. Those three tag teams, there's nobody better. Nobody better. And we haven't seen anybody better in over 20 years. Those three are it. For me, at least. They're it. So, good stuff there. You know, Kenny Omega and Adam Page, they were number two on that list, which I was very surprised at. Sasha Banks and um, Bailey, I believe they were number three. I gotta double check that. It was them in the North. Three and four. The North out of Impact Wrestling. Shout out to Impact. Good stuff. No. Usos, they were injured most of the time, so they, they couldn't rank in there. But there's nobody better than the Usos, though. I think, you know, the Usos are probably the best tag team in the world ever. Anytime that they're healthy and that they're battling, there's no two ways about it. But interesting list. You know, PWI, they continue to just do some great stuff. Big fan of theirs. As, as you know, lifelong PWI uh Reader, Harry Burke, it's been ducking me, but I'm going to get him back on the show. Same with Kevin. Kevin, you know, December's coming. You said you're going to be on the show in December. It's coming. You're going to have to explain yourself with some of these rankings here, buddy. That's right. That's right. Over on the WWE side, you know, they, <laughs> Ido Shirai, she and Rhea Ripley, who's my cousin, um, they just tore the house down. You know, WWE NXT, they had something like three or four women's matches this past week. And it was just, and then they had women's content everywhere as well. They had diversity up and down the card, people of color everywhere. Women refs, women ring announcers, women uh, commentators. And I was looking at, you know, on Twitter, some people put up polls. What did you think of the show? Blah, blah, blah. And I saw that NXT got just tremendously high ranks. The majority of the people, like over 70% who participated in the, in the rankings, they said, yeah, this, this was a solid show, 100%, A+. plus. It's good to see. I'm, I'm a big proponent of diversity 
real diversity, not just the fake stuff that people want to promote. So NXT gets it right. You know who else gets it right is Impact Wrestling. I think I think pound for pound Impact does the best job with how they deliver diversity. Pound for pound. Women are involved in everything. You know, people of color everywhere. It's just great. Everybody should should want to be more like Impact Wrestling as far as how to do it the right way instead of trying to take credit for it. Just do it the right way. It's good stuff. You know, it's, the the pro wrestling industry is in good shape in that regard. This COVID-19 stuff is, is, is disturbing, and I don't believe that we should be doing as many live shows as we're doing out there with fans. I think shows without fans is really the way to go. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of promoters who are friends of mine who are probably going to be pissed at me for saying that, and that's okay. I just don't believe that there should be people at shows. I just don't. I think empty arena is the way to go. And I think at this point, everyone is conditioned to accept that. So why take the risk? But And, and, and listen, this wave that we're in right now is the worst that we've had. It's worse than the first one. That was earlier this year. Why take the risk? WWE said that they're probably not going back to a touring style of business ever. Think about that. They're just going to stay in one place, no lot, no fans, put them up on the screen and just, just roll that way. I love it. I think it's a great idea. We're in the future. Speaking of which, very disappointed in WWE, and I'm going to end on this. They fired Zelina Vega. They got this, this mandate where, you know, you can't be uh, having third-party apps, posting content, making money off of it. Got to give WWE a cut, especially if they're going to use your, your gimmick uh, name. The name that WWE owns, your character name. Thea Trinidad is, is her real name, but in WWE, she was Zelina Vega. She opened up an OnlyFans. She told him she wasn't taking down her Twitch. She did a lot of things. Fired her. Told her to hit the road, Jack. And I saw some, some folks out there who just don't have any sense. <laughs> you just don't have any sense. Well, she can go to AEW. This is bigger than one promotion in another, right? This is an industry-wide problem. So the, the fix is not for her to just go to AEW because AEW doesn't want wrestler unions any either. And Zelina Vega wants a wrestler union. She doesn't want to be able want to be told that she can't use third-party platforms, especially if she's using a real name, to promote herself and make a couple extra bucks on the side. Why can't she work another job? Which is essentially what that is. It's a side hustle, right? Right? So there's not going to be any just go to AEW and everything will be fine. It doesn't work like that. They're heading towards a union. And folks like SAG, Afro, they're stepping in and they're speaking up and saying that they're having conversations with folks like Zelina, Thea Trinidad. The wrestler union is coming. I think, you know, SAG would be very smart to welcome the wrestlers because now you have something that's already set up in infrastructure in place. It's great. I think the WWE made a, a poor business decision firing her under those circumstances. And if there were other circumstances, then they should let us know because they're looking crazy right now. The thing that they were trying to prevent the most, they probably accelerated the possibility for it to exist. They were trying to prevent a union from forming, right? And it's probably going to happen now because they fired Zelina Vega. Foolish, foolish. But it's a, it's a win for the wrestlers, though, in the long run. So, hey, it is what it is. In AEW, you're going to have to negotiate with the union. So you better get ready. Andrew Yang can't save you from that. The best way to stop something from happening, especially something you don't want to happen, is to work with the other party. 
and find compromise by working together. But when you resist and you push, yes, you'll be able to stop a lot of things, especially when you're in the power position and influence. But you, but when you are a publicly traded company and you're existing at a time when activism is as strong today as it has ever been, where we're literally living in a civil rights movement that is greater than the original civil rights movement, where we're borderline Boston Tea Party over here. <laughs> You think anyone's going to take WWE's side for the way that they've conducted themselves? It's just foolish. They should have worked with Zelina and others and figured out a compromise, which would have absolutely slowed down this union talk. So congratulations, WWE. You just created the thing that you were fighting against because you put pride over common sense and over, over business sense. Doesn't, it's, just, it's crazy. It's crazy when you look at it from that perspective. Because Vince McMahon should know better. So is this arrogance or is this somebody else's decision? I don't know. He's been very successful keeping unions out of, out of WWE all this time. And I'm telling you right now, this one move will look back historically and will say that was the straw that broke the camel's back. No doubt. Speaking of which, shout out to Big Vito Lagrazo, One of those folks in modern times who had been talking about unionizing and, and what have you and advocating for it and getting buried for it. Shout out to Big Vito. It's funny how the, the, the first people who drive a movement are the ones who get beat up the most, right? They take all the hits so everybody else can come after them and, and, get, and reap the benefits. And we've seen this happen before. We've seen this happen. It's unfortunate. Would I be able to live the life that I lived if it wasn't for Martin Luther King Jr.? And I'm not saying that any of these folks are, are MLK, but again, somebody else had to exist and fight and drive change and force it in order for the rest of us to reap the, the benefits. When you wrestlers finally have your union complete and you're enjoying that life, don't forget about the people like Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jesse the Body Ventura. Later on, guys like Big Vito Lagrazo. Hell, even this David Starr, who, you know, as it turns out, may not have been the, the best person in the world. He was pushing this union, wrestler union stuff. He deserves credit. If in any way he helped advance the concept, just something to think about. I want to thank my guest once again, Mr. Reggie B. Fine. Good man. Reggie B. That's, that's my man right there. And I'm going to have to have him back because I'm telling you, every, the last time I had him up, everyone ate it up. When are you going to have Reggie back? When you, well, there he is. He's back. He wants to do video, so we'll have to do a special where you'll get to see the Duke and Reggie B. Fine on video talking nonsense. I might need a uh, adult beverage for that one because I think that's going to be <laughs> a wild ride. I don't know. Anyway, until next time, folks, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.